You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour of the program. That story coming up. Seton Pauli, Fritzy McLovin, yours truly. Dan Patrick Show. Mike Florio on loan from Pro Football Talk will join us. Is Deshaun Watson going to be traded before the trade deadline November 2nd? and could be traded as early as this week. So we'll talk to Florio about that. What do the Dolphins send in return? What happens to Tua Tonga-Vailoa? So a lot of tentacles attached to that story. Baseball last night, it was the Red Sox being rolled by the Astros. They're up three games to two. The Braves over the Dodgers, 9-2, up three games to one. It'll be Braves at the Dodgers, game five. And that starting lineup better produce more than two hits if you're going to make this a game six back in Atlanta. Bucks Heat, also Clippers and the Warriors coming up tonight. Your phone calls, always welcome, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. All right, this is the story about the Astros. The uh, topic came up. Some viewers apparently thought they heard whistling noises during Houston's win over the Red Sox. A whistling sound could be heard just before a home run was hit off Chris Sale, giving the Astros a 1-0 lead in the second. The whistling sound sounded like the whistling that took place a couple of years ago, the 2017 World Series run. Maybe a coincidence, but the whistle sounded identical to the one that we heard before Jose Altuve had a home run in game four. Oh, boy. I don't know. Do we have audio of uh, the whistling there? It's a little obvious. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> oh, I don't know. What it... uh, I can, I, you know, somebody's going to go, I heard on the Dan Patrick show, they actually had whistling. <laughs> it sounded like, uh, you know, the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a curveball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul. It's like any story that's even got a whiff of truth to it is going to get published because it's the Astros. Yeah. Like if I were sitting out in left field and I was a Red Sox fan, I'd just yell, curveball! Yeah. And see if so, like the national media picked it up. Baseball conducted an investigation and, uh, you know, heard whistling, but there was no proof that the Astros were guilty of using, uh, using whistling sounds to alert their hitters as to what's coming. Oh... Uh... The Astros were accused of whistling in 2019. A man named Rafael Garcia did a deep analysis of the Astros game and claimed he identified a pattern of uh, sounds here. A video that Garcia put together shows different whistles, two different whistles. One that Garcia believes signaled fastball, the other one to signify off-speed pitches. The alleged fastball whistle was a little bit longer, a flatter whistle. Rafael Garcia, the whistleblower. (laughs) (laughs) But this was at Fenway. Like, I don't know, is there a, a, you know, some camera there, a mole in the, I'm trying to think where you have somebody. Although there was a interesting light on display in center field with the Red Sox and the Astros, the, the umpires actually stopped, you know, like, what's the light up there? I don't know if it's the light. You know, is there Morse code here? Uh, the Astros can run, but you can't hide from it. Yes, McLevin. 
I mean, the amazing thing about the story is the fans were in on catching the Astros. John Boy and all those guys had all these clips yeah. of the sound. So now, like, you, you got to trust the fans to some extent, or at least open your mind to it. Well, I, do I think that they were making noises, uh, signifying a pitch, signaling a pitch? Yes, absolutely. I do. Um, it, it was a little more systematic than we're used to. I mean, it was too overt. And it, like, it was so obvious. When when you became aware of it, you're like, how did I miss this? And do I think that this is still going on? Probably. But maybe they're actually stealing the signs in a legitimate way. Like, no technology here. Yes, Todd. I guess if you can, and I kept I'm saying this as a supposed Astro fan. If you you're can, not an Astro fan. If you can bang a trash can and the noise that makes, I guess, what would? why would you not do a faint whistle sound if you would do something as blatant as banging on a trash can? Yeah, it's hard to probably on a road trip to Fenway bring in garbage cans. You know, that's part of your, uh, you know, your checked bags. You know, when you show up at the airport, like a couple of garbage cans roll out. Like, who are those? Oh, those are the Astros. You know, we, we take out our own garbage. We're in, environmentally friendly. Yes, McLovin. I love it. They have all these Harvard analytic guys and all these advanced mathematicians. Yeah. And they bang a garbage can. That's the uh, analytics. <laughs> Yeah, Paul. By the way, Jose Altuve, before the alleged cheating scandal, do I have to say alleged anymore with the Astros? I don't think I, it's proven. Well, two guys lost their jobs, so, yeah. so something happened. Not alleged. Yeah, you don't, you don't get uh, fired because of an alleged cheating scandal. He, uh, he was making $3.5 million a year before. He's now making $29 million a year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. And it always goes back to the same bottom line for me. It, it, somebody did something at some point, And was it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, if you say I go from $3.5 million to $29 million, I'm still going to go to the Hall of Fame. I, I still got a World Series ring. Yeah. Was it worth the risk to Barry Bonds? Was it worth the risk to Mark McGuire? I guess. A-Rod doesn't seem to be suffering. But the fan, oh, I felt, I don't normally feel bad for A-Rod, but I did feel a little bit bad for him with the Red Sox fans. They were chanting, uh, you know, Ben Affleck. <laughs> A-Rod, what's your favorite Ben Affleck movie? And then it'd be, you know, J-Lo, J- oh, man. <laughs> that's kind of rough. That's That's tough. Yes, uh, yes, McLevin. Could you argue that for Barry Bonds, it wasn't worth it because he was so good without it that he kind of ruined it? He made a lot of money. Yeah. Made a lot of money. He was making $20 million a year because he was, you know, putting up these incredible numbers. His baseball career was, you know, on the decline. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he was a different player. But he cheated on the test and got 100. Yeah. You got to get the 85 when you cheat. Now, was it worth it for Lance Armstrong? Yes, yes. You you don't want to cheat and get everything right. No? Like, Todd wanted to get every one of those right, and therefore he cheated to get every one of them right. (laughs) Yes, Eden. One of the best things that's happened with sort of just how uh, screen resolution has developed with TV is that now everybody takes 
pictures of their TV to show, like, what's with this sweat line on this pitcher's <laughs> forehead? Anybody else see this dot back here? Like, and sometimes you could tell it's so obvious that, like, wait a minute, this dude's not sweating. He's but he's got a very shiny forehead. Yeah, mm. it's it's not a it's not a good time to be on TV if you have any kind of blemishes, <laughs> you know, or you're you know you're coloring your hair or anything because those TVs, woo, not friendly. They are brutal, brutal. I had a I had an Auburn run with my hair back uh, with uh, the mothership and uh, yeah at the time you're like yeah I think it looks pretty good and then all of a sudden you look back and you go nope that did not look good I was uh, I was the Auburn Tiger back then <laughs> yeah that's that's where you curse that red gene that you have in your hair being Irish damn you mom all right. Um, We'll get to phone calls here. Let's see. Anything else? We got the Thursday night game. We got Broncos and the Browns. Yeah. Who's excited? Doug in North Carolina is excited about the Broncos and the Browns. Right, Doug? No, I'm mad. Dan, I'm mad. I'm not excited. <laughs> okay. It's been a while since I've called up using my self-proclaimed title as the president of the Todd Fritz fan club, but this morning I have to call on behalf of the uh, the Todd Nation. Okay. Our slogan, by the way, is the, the, the Todd Nation. We're few in numbers and we're short on the, the letter D. But um, the Todd Nation wants to propose a, a little bet with you. If during the broadcast tonight, Fox shows not mentions but actually shows a clip of the drive, then Dan does a shower of shame and if they don't Todd does a shower of shame are you willing to put it up I don't know because you know what I I can't help Fox program you know their football game there you know what Doug I'll give it some thought and I and I appreciate somebody standing up for Fritzy um yeah I mean I I helped program the mothership for 18 years I that's heavy lifting to tell Fox what to do Yes, Todd. What if Todd Nation, and I appreciate the support, was to raise the stakes and say that they would show the drive and the fumble, not just the drive? How does that affect the uh, the bet? Well, I think they have to dress this game up. It's like putting earrings on a pig. Like, you, you know, you got to do something. They got to find a hook here somewhere. Do I think Fox shows that tonight? I'm going to say they do because I think they're desperate. I think this is desperate times, desperate measures. Who cares if this happened back in the 80s? It doesn't matter. It's it's the Browns. It's the Broncos. Yeah. That's no impact, no meaning for tonight's game. But do I think they'll do it? Yeah, because what else are you going to show? How about... First quarter. First quarter? Or do you think it's it's more obvious to show it in the first quarter because you get to the third quarter, fourth quarter, nobody's going to care? Unless you would have a drive or a fumble, and then you could hit the way back machine. No, I'm not going to take this bet. Sucker bet. No, I'm not going to do You're it. You're smart to not take that bet. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. You know what? Maybe I should text Joe Buck. Maybe Joe could have it in the second quarter. And Todd takes a Joe Buck shows <laughs> Joe Buck shows up to the rundown meeting today. Guys, uh, got a couple thoughts. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking maybe we don't show the drive by John Elway. We don't show the fumble by Ernest Biner, or at least save it till like you know mid second quarter at the earliest. Yeah, you may need some fill time, and uh, you know that's where you bring that in. All right. So, Doug, nice try. NBA can't be happy that uh, a certain left-hander didn't suit up for last night's Sixers-Pelicans game. And I'm not talking about Ben Simmons. 
although I'm not sure he's a lefty. Zion Williamson, still out with a foot injury. He's a big draw. It's a big deal. Reportedly, he weighs 300 pounds. And having foot surgery, they don't know when he's going to come back. That's the kind of thing that is a reoccurring, the possibility for a reoccurring injury. And you know what? Nobody's talking about it right now. With LeBron, KD, and Steph getting older, it's not clear uh, where those new superstars, you know, you have Giannis, you have Luka, Trey Young, but, you know, the league loves to promote these new stars, but Zion Williamson, who knows when he's going to be able to come back. Last year's number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards. He's dynamic, but the Timberwolves aren't any good. Uh Detroit's got Cade Cunningham and Houston's got Jalen Green. They might be great, but are you going to see them? Uh, the stars come out of nowhere. Nobody thought Steph Curry would be Steph Curry. You probably didn't think LaMelo Ball would be LaMelo Ball. He's fun. He is fun. And he was great again last night. But Zion Williamson out and not sure of a time uh, frame on returning, to me, it's a big deal. Big deal. Couple of phone calls in here. Uh, Sean in Kansas joins us. Hi, Sean. What's on your mind? Uh, six foot, one forty, one sixty-five. Well, I was just wondering tonight if Case Keenum sucks. How long until the Browns management calls Cam Newton? Uh, if if uh, Baker was out, then they they might. But Baker's not going to be out. He's going to continue to play. And, and Case Keenum, is he's paid as a high-end backup. And I, I don't think they, you know, move on. The only way that Cam gets a job, he got vaccinated, the only way he gets a job is if a starter is out for a team that has, you know, the possibility of making the playoffs. But I, I, I don't see that in Cleveland because they would probably still want to stay with, with uh, Case Keenum. And plus, there was a report that, uh, you know, the Seahawks reached out to Cam Newton when Russell Wilson got injured. I, I don't want to bring Cam Newton in. It, you know, it's Geno Smith is fine for the next two weeks. Then Russ is going to be back. I don't want to bring Cam in to then have to release Cam. I just, I, you know, I'd want to be fair to him and give him an opportunity. If I'm Cam, I don't want to go into the Seattle situation. I'd, I'd rather want wait until... If somebody goes down with an injury and it's for the rest of the season, like Pittsburgh, then maybe Pittsburgh would look at Cam Newton. Maybe. Yeah, McLovin. But it's week seven. Doesn't it take a long time to learn the offense? Yes. And you, you just can't because you have to sort of cater your offense to Cam Newton. You know, New England did that. But they had an offseason to be able to do that. And Geno Smith's been there for three years. He knows the offense. And, and he, he did fine. I mean, he's a backup quarterback for a reason. Yes, McClellan. They signed Jacob Eason yesterday. The Colts cut him. Remember that guy, Georgia? Oh, yeah. And now Seattle, so they're clearly not signing Cam. No, no. I don't see that happening. All right, let's take a break. More phone calls coming up. Mike Florio on the future of Deshaun Watson. That's back after this Dan Patrick Show. When you listen to pro athletes talk about fitness, they always talk about sleep. How much they, they get to sleep. Not how much they can bench or squat, but you get that nap in. J.J. Watt, he talks about it all the time, those power naps that you get. And we should learn from athletes. It's fall, so our four pro sports are going on. That means seven nights a week, great games to watch. 
Seton's wife came downstairs. He was watching a basketball game last night, and your wife's response was? Seriously? <laughs> She's like, hold up, wait a minute. So you're telling me right now there's NFL college football, soccer, baseball, and hockey, and now basketball is starting too. Sleepers who routinely use their Sleep Number 360 smart bed features, the Sleep IQ technology, get almost 100 hours more proven quality sleep per year. My Sleep Number setting is 75. Sleep Number, official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. Proven quality sleep is game-changing sleep. Save up to $700 on Sleep Number 360 smart beds plus special financing. Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash Patrick, subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. By the way, last day for Carson Palmer's Heisman Trophy here in the Man Cave. Yeah, I got. I got. I got to send it back. I Why? Got, I I just sources close to me tell me I need to send it back to Carson Palmer. Are winds being vacated too? Or no, 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 no. This okay. is, this isn't a Reggie Bush situation. All right, I no, just no, didn't no, no, know. no. But I have to send Carson Palmer's Heisman Trophy back. Yeah, Paul. It was a gift from him to it you. It wasn't a gift. That's how you thought of it. I did, and then I found out later that it was a loan. That's it. This is uh, the last day of Carson Palmer's Heisman Trophy. We were the only man cave in America that had a Heisman Trophy in it. We had the Heisman. Now we're getting the Heisman from ah. Carson Palmer. Ah. So you guys want to say goodbye to it however you want to in your own personal way. It's been a, a, a wonderful addition here to the man cave. Yes, Paul. Like the Stanley Cup. Can we each have it for a day real quick? No, we don't get Stanley Cup. We had Harold Reynolds gold glove. We had to give that back. Darius Rucker's Grammy had to give that back. And now Carson Palmer wants his Heisman Trophy back. Yes, McClellan. Do we call other Heisman Trophy winners and, <laughs> and see if they want it? Joe Burrow seems to like us. He won the Heisman. Gino Toretta, he's not doing anything with yeah, his he Heisman. Need it. Eric Crouch. What's Eric Crouch doing with his Heisman Trophy? Yes, Todd. Now, can we paint like a DP logo on the helmet no, of no, the no, statue no, or no, the no. jersey? No, no, no. Can't even goof around with this. It's got its own suitcase. Special suitcase, the Heisman suitcase. It turns out that these uh, institutions that give out prestigious awards <laughs> yeah, they, don't appreciate they don't. They the don't. recipients giving them out then a second time. Yeah, that might they, have something to do with it. They don't appreciate Remember it. Remember when the Grammys said they found out Darius Rucker's Grammy was on my desk? And they're like, you get that back right now. And Darius calls me in a panic. He goes, you got to send it overnight. I go, what? He goes, I, I might not win another Grammy. I said, well, that had nothing to do with me. He goes, yeah, it might. So we had to ship that overnight to him. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host, joining us on the program. Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you? I'm doing okay until I just got the word. Carson Palmer wants his Heisman back. You can have mine. Yeah? Yeah, you got yeah. one? Yeah, no. Yeah. I don't have anything. I don't have anything that you would ever want, so you don't have to worry about that. Do you have any trophies on your mantle? No. None. I, I have I, I, none. None. I could say something smart or funny or cute. I have none. Okay. I have nothing. I'm an embarrassment to everyone. All right. Uh, why is this report on D Deshaun Watson feel a little more real than what we heard maybe a couple of weeks ago? 
Well, we're getting closer and closer to the deadline for 2021. And look, back in late August, early September, this was pointing toward a transaction between the Texans and the Dolphins. The problem is the Dolphins refuse to blink when it comes to what the Texans want, and the Texans refuse to blink when it comes to what the Dolphins wanted to give. So it fell apart, but it continues to linger. It's going to happen either after the season or it's going to happen between now and November 2 at 4 p.m. Eastern. I think what happened yesterday was an effort by the Texans to get the word out to anyone else who may want to come to the table. We know a few weeks ago, the Panthers may have not been interested. Now maybe they are. A few weeks ago, the Broncos wouldn't have been interested. Now maybe they are. Let's see. Will the Eagles come to the table? Let's see. Because if others come to the table, price goes up. And it may get Stephen Ross, who badly wants to make Watson a Miami Dolphin, finally say to the Texans, fine, we'll give you what you want. The Texans don't want to relent because they don't look at it as a one or a two-year trade. They look at it as a 10-year transaction. So you shouldn't worry about what you give us now, whether or not he's going to be available in the short term. He's going to be your quarterback for 10 years. So give us what we want because you're getting a franchise quarterback that's going to change potentially the fortune of your team. But if you're the Dolphins, what do you need to know before you make this deal? And what can you know before this? You know, the, the, the most important question is what happens with the grand jury that's eventually going to hear the 10 criminal complaints that have been made against Watson. The 22 civil complaints, they're not going to be resolved, but they're not nearly as troubling because you're not going to go to jail over the outcome of the 22 civil complaints. The most pressing question, Dan, is if the Dolphins would trade for him today and then want to put him on the field on Sunday against the Falcons. I mean, that that's extreme, but they would want to have him at practice. They'd want to have him ready to play in games. What will the league do? We reported several weeks back that the league has not made any decision about paid leave for Deshaun Watson because it doesn't have to. The Texans already have him on paid leave. He's getting paid. He's not playing. The league doesn't have to do anything. Why make a decision about paid leave when you don't have to? But the moment he'd be traded to a team that wants to put him on the field, that's when the league would have to activate its own process and make a decision. Do we put him on paid leave or do we not? And I think it would be naive to overlook the body blows that the league has been taking over the Washington football team investigation, the email scandal and everything else. How does that factor into the broader PR assessment of what do we do with Deshaun Watson now that he's in a position where he's playing with these charges pending against him? Okay, but how do you suspend somebody who doesn't have criminal charges pending? Well, there's enough language in the personal conduct policy to give the NFL the discretion okay. based upon what they already know, based upon the investigation they've already done. If they want to come to the conclusion that it's possible that Deshaun Watson may have violated one or more of the terms of the personal conduct policy, they can say you're on paid leave. And the NFL doesn't view that as punishment. As wrong as that is, Football players want to play football, but they don't view telling a guy you get paid to not play as punishment. They view it as no big deal. Well, it is a big deal for guys who want to play football and for the teams that want them to play. But so why not suspend him it, now, though, Mike? Why, like, Because there's no reason to do it. Why do it? Why, why make a move? Why create a news cycle? Here's what happens. If they would put him on paid leave now, because that's what this is. Suspension with pay under the personal conduct policy. You create a headline. You create an AP story that ends up in every newspaper and on every website. We're talking about it. How's the NFL justify putting Deshaun Watson on the commissioner exempt list when no charges have actually been finalized against him? There's no reason to do it. There's no reason to do it. And I had someone from the league office explain this to me. Why 
make a step that could be a misstep when you just don't have to do it. The Texans are already paying him to not play. We reached out to the Texans and we said, why isn't Deshaun Watson playing? And, and we said, whose decision? No response. Yeah. Well, I, he doesn't want to play for them. They don't want him to play and get injured and diminish the trade value. I think at some point it was just decided mutually, this is where we are. We're going to pay you to not play. We're going to trade you. And I think they've been leading him to think it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. The question is, do they get it done before November 2 or do they kick it over to next year? I, I think that they run the risk if they don't trade him by November 2, that he shows up and says, I'm ready to go. Let's go play some football. Now, I don't know that he's inclined to do that, but they run that risk because I think they've been telling him, we'll get this done. And that window closes in 12 days. Nobody wants Tua? Like, what happens to Tua Tonga-Vailoa if Deshaun Watson ends up in Miami? Well, if Deshaun Watson ends up on paid leave, you need Tua at least for the rest of the season. Now, he's got that rookie wage scale, salary, and cap hit, and it's not as difficult as it would have been 10, 15 years ago from a cap standpoint to move him. But yeah, then you got to ask yourself, where, where does he go? And who's going to give you anything of value for a guy who, who is showing us one week at a time that he's not going to be a franchise quarterback? That's what this all comes back to. They picked Tua yeah. over Justin Herbert. And you know, the Tua Mafia is starting to relent, I think, after the month that he missed with the broken ribs and how he played. I mean, they, beat, they, they lost to the Jaguars. They're up 10 points. They lost to the Jaguars, who hadn't won a game in 20 straight. I think people are starting to realize Tua is not going to be what the Dolphins are looking for, which is basically their next Dan Marino, and they've been trying to find him for more than 20 years. A lot of revisionist history with Justin Herbert. Like, he wasn't a sure thing. I, I know, but it's amazing to me, Dan, and, and I don't get too deep into the weeds pre-draft because we're trying to cover the whole league and everything that's happening. But, you know, you've met Tua. I've met Tua. I, I just I, – Tua is short, and Tua isn't built like a Russell Wilson or a Drew Brees. He's got a slight build to him. He had the injury questions coming in. I don't see how anyone wouldn't have decided to do an extra deep dive on Herbert – versus Tua because Herbert's got the size he's got the physique and obviously he's been the better pick and and I think the Dolphins just viewed it as a no-brainer here's Tua we want Tua the other guy they wanted was Joe Burrow they couldn't get the Bengals to trade out of number one there was never a discussion about the Dolphins wanting Justin Herbert and it should have at least been a discussion yeah and I I go back to the draft and I had a source who said you know one thing you have to understand is how do you assess an Alabama quarterback? Because he has first round draft picks. They get open. You don't have to throw them open. And Mac Jones dealt with this. They don't throw receivers open. They're open. You get to the pros, you must throw a receiver open. And, you know, Dwayne Haskins had this at Ohio State. That's why it's hard sometimes when you look at this, it goes, uh, how, how good is that quarterback? Um, Justin Herbert has the arm to throw a receiver open and Tua does not. And part of it too, is you don't see those skills on display until you get to the next level yeah. and the challenge becomes more difficult. Do you rise up to it? One of the knocks on Deshaun Watson coming out of Clemson, too many interceptions and good luck cutting down on the interceptions when the window for getting a guy, the football shrinks. Well, you know what happened to Deshaun Watson? By necessity, he got more accurate. 
at the next level. So a lot of it is you don't know what's going to happen until they get there. But the warning signs were there with Tua, but Stephen Ross wanted Tua. And there was no one in the organization with the ability to push back on Stephen Ross. And now Stephen Ross wants Deshaun. And I feel like he's going to get him unless somebody else swoops in and says to the Texans, we'll give you what you want and send Deshaun our way. We're talking to Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host with Chris Sims, the show that precedes this on Peacock. The Baker Mayfield situation is interesting because he's going to, I guess Ian Rappaport said he's going to need surgery on that shoulder at the end of the year, but he's going to try to play through this. Have you, do you have enough of a sample size where if you're the Cleveland Browns, you say, okay, that's our franchise quarterback moving forward and we're going to pony up $40 million a year? No, absolutely not. And I laughed in the offseason. They asked Browns general manager Andrew Barry whether or not the Jared Goff and Carson Wentz contracts become cautionary tales for the Browns. And he said no. I think he had to say no. You know, the problem is Baker is headstrong. He's a little prickly. He 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 wants to take charge and he views himself as being a great quarterback and that confidence has served him well. But if you look at his press conference from earlier this week, when he basically acted like it was his birthright to be the quarterback of the Browns and it's up to him and no one else, whether he's going to play with this injured shoulder. I couldn't believe that he said that because it's not up to him. And at some point he is sufficiently diminished while he's trying to play with a harness on and a shoulder that keeps popping out, popping back in. He's sufficiently diminished where it makes more sense to go with the backup. And Case Keenum has proven he can get it done, especially when working with Kevin Stefanski. They went to the NFC Championship together in Minnesota four years ago. So with Baker, now the bigger question is, what do you do? And Dan, this is something that kind of flickered for me yesterday. You look at the veteran quarterbacks out there that are looking for a Tom Brady scenario where they can go somewhere where the team has everything but me whether it's Russell Wilson, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, one of these veterans that is dissatisfied with the current situation wants to go to a place where the deck is stacked in their favor to win. The Browns become very attractive. They'd have to move on from Baker, but the Browns become attractive. And Russell Wilson, by the way, was born in Ohio. Wouldn't that be a story if Russell Wilson... And remember, it was back in 2018 that there was some talk about the Seahawks trading Wilson to the Browns for the first overall pick that became Baker Mayfield. So get ready for that, because I think that's going to be coming in the offseason. But I think Seattle would have taken Josh Allen. Well, you could, hey, look, you could make the argument that Josh Allen's the best of that pack. It's either him or Lamar Jackson. I was just told that Seattle did so much homework on Josh Allen that they were going to take Josh Allen. If they made that move, they number one pick, they were taking Josh Allen. Five quarterbacks taken in that first round. Two of them, clear cut. And the other three, well, look, we know Josh Rosen, done. Sam Darnold, who knows? Baker Mayfield, the only fair assessment at this point is who knows. Why would Aaron Rodgers leave the NFC North? When you you pencil in four wins, you got the Bears and the Lions, you got four wins, and you'll take one of the two games against Minnesota. So you got five wins guaranteed. Why would he well, want to, why would he want to leave that? I, you know, he laid out all of his concerns when he showed up for training camp. And I don't think those concerns automatically go away for a guy who's as headstrong as Aaron Rodgers. If there's a better opportunity out there for him to add to his legacy, these guys want to add to their legacies. You know, I say this all the time. 
when there's a kid who's like eight or nine years old and he always has to win at everything he does, we're like, that's a distasteful quality, Jimmy. Let other, let the other kids have a turn. Let the other kids win from time to time. But when they're adults and they're playing football, we worship that mindset where I got to win at everything. I got to win. I got to win. I got to win. I've got to win. It's not enough that I'm good and I contribute to the cause. I want to go to a place where everything is lined up in my favor to win. And if there's another opportunity like that out there for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he wanted to go to the 49ers. Could you imagine how good the 49ers would be yeah. if he was their quarterback and not Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance? So don't you think it comes down to, you know, maybe Tom Brady saying, are you going to stay with that bleep? And he was talking about Garoppolo in San Francisco. If they were well, going to he- move on, they've been trying to move on. Or maybe he was talking about Trubisky with Chicago. I don't know. Tom Brady wanted to play for the 49ers and the 49ers said, no, thank you. And I think all this kind of strange dysfunction we've seen from the 49ers this year where they trade up from 12 to three and they want Mac Jones unless they don't and they take Trey Lance and is he going to start and what's up with Jimmy? I think they have freaked themselves out with torment because they could have had Patrick Mahomes in 2017. They took Solomon Thomas instead because they thought they were getting Kirk Cousins the next year and between (laughs) the draft and free agency, they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. And then they had Tom Brady wanting to come home and play for the team he rooted for growing up. He was at the catch game. He wanted to come back. And, you know, what did the 49ers see last year in the Super Bowl? Mahomes and Brady. And I think that freaked them out. And they're still trying to recover from that. And then Aaron Rodgers. You know, I think Aaron Rodgers thought maybe the Rams or maybe the Niners, that that's where he was going to – that he was told that. Dan, I think he was told – that the Packers were going to trade him. And at some point between January and April, they changed their mind. And I think that's one of the reasons why this went to DEFCON 5 or DEFCON 1, whatever the worst one is. I can never remember. But that's why one of the reasons why in late April this blew up, because I think he was led to believe they were going to trade him. And then they eventually said, sorry, we can't do it this year. The man who has no awards, Mike Florio. None whatsoever. Pro Football Talk Live. Well, you know. Maybe one day, maybe one day, Mike. Nah, maybe. I don't, I've, I've, nah, nah. I, I seek and will accept no external praise. Once you know you're not going to get it, it's very easy to take a stand on principle and say you don't want it. It's like the coach right? who takes himself out of the running for the job that he knows he's not yes. going to get. I know that I will never get a vote, for example, like on who gets into the Hall of Fame. So I take a stand on principle that I don't want. One. <laughs> don't give it to me. I don't want it. Thank you, Mike. I'm going to give it to me anyway. See you, Dan. That's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk and ProFootballTalk.com. All right, we'll take a break. Last call for phone calls, what we learn, what's in store tomorrow. That's coming up next year on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I saw where... uh... Freshman basketball player at the University of Kentucky has a uh, name, image, and likeness deal with a Porsche dealership. His name is Ty Ty Washington, and he gets to uh, pull up on campus 
with a luxury vehicle that's probably six figures. He's projected to be a first-round pick in the 2022 NBA draft. He is the number 14 recruit in this season's freshman class, according to ESPN. And he has signed a dealership uh, deal with a, a Porsche dealership in Louisville, Kentucky. And well, good for him. Yeah, Paul. This has been happening on colleges, campuses for 40 years, and now you can drive around and no one has to whisper. I know. No one has to say your aunt got this or who loaned it to you. It's completely above board and legal. You know, Rex, Rex Chapman told us stories about what he was rolling in, and, you know, it's, now it's above board. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I remember a uh, big-time recruit uh, signed with uh, University of Kentucky. And uh, I remember he came back home and he had one of those uh, Mercedes-Benz two-seaters. Yeah. One of those 450 SELs, I think. Beautiful car. And we're like, whoa, where'd you get that? He didn't tell us. He did say he went to the racetrack and he said, I knew nothing about thoroughbreds. And they just said, what's your favorite number? And he said, I just picked a number and somehow I ended up winning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Todd Fritz has reasons to watch the Broncos-Browns game tonight and why the Broncos should beat the Browns tonight. You know, I'm into the numerology thing, so I started playing with some numbers uh, last night, and then I looked into it a little more this morning. So here's my reasons quickly on why the Broncos should be expected to win. Today's date is 10-21-21. The drive in the AFC title game sent the Broncos, not the Browns, into Super Bowl 21. So there's your 21. A couple of 21s in the date. We went to Super Bowl 21 after the drive. The Browns are favored by two and a half, but Denver beat the Browns in Cleveland that day, 23-20, just over two and a half by three. Okay. Ed, Ed, follow me. Add the numbers of today's date and divide it by those three numbers. So 10, 21, and 21 gives you 52. 17. Divide those, right, you get seven, just over 17. The drive was 98 yards. Add those two numbers together. Nine plus eight is? 17. 17. The drive took just over five minutes. Teddy Bridgewater's jersey number? Five. And it's the first game of week seven. What is John Elway known as? Number seven. Seven. All reasons to point to the orange and blue, not the orange and brown. Yes, Paul. This segment is going to make tonight's game seem very entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Are you calling your shot that the Broncos' two-point underdogs in Cleveland shocked the world? The Broncos will win tonight's game and go to 4-3 and three and stay competitive in a tight AFC West. Who wants to take a piece of that for a pie to the face? A, a pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. It'll be, it'll be, that color will be similar to the Broncos and the Browns. <laughs> Any Case Keenum supporters <laughs> around here? I have enough on the line rooting for Case. I'm not adding to the, you never bet on your home team. That's, okay. Right. You never do that. So we're just going to let Todd get away with that. Let me get away. Cleveland Browns dangerous home team now. Yeah. <laughs> Used to be the Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this day in sports history, Paulie. Uh, Andrew, this could be the greatest day in Philadelphia sports history. In 1976, the 76ers purchased the rights to Julius Irving from the New Jersey Nets. On the same day, the Philadelphia Phillies won their first World Series. That's a day. And then let's see, going back, uh, Carlton Fisk, 1975, hit the home run in the 12th inning with a 7-6 game against the Reds. Sorry, Dan, game six of the World yeah. Series. Yeah. And uh, that's it. Okay. By the way, the most record, or the NFL record for most points in a game without scoring a touchdown. Anybody want to guess? It happened on this day. 
in 2007. This person accounted for 26 points. Yeah, Paul. Would those have been field goals? Yes. Chris Boniel? No. Mm, that name stuck out for you like seven in the game. I believe he did this for the Tennessee Titans. First name is Rob. Rob Barizas or something like that? Baronis. Baronis. Had eight field goals, two PATs, 26 points as uh, the Titans beat the Texans on this day in 2007. Yes, Todd. I love that. I love that when we pull out the old kid, Rob Baronis. What a great name. Thank you, Todd. That's fantastic. All right. My Baronis. Oh, okay. A little, my, another 80s, 90s reference. Like My Sharona? Yeah, My Baronis. <laughs> <laughs> the Knack. That was the name of the band. It was. The Knack. Yeah, Paul. We actually had Rob Baronis on the show the next day, and he told us that he was working at Best Buy in the offseason and got a call to kick. We had him on the show because mm. of that game. Mm. Okay. Oddly. Yeah. Yes, uh, McLovin. Did they ask for uh, like a whole big panel at the Hall of Fame to say this is the most representative AFC South game of all time? <laughs> oh, man. You, you love it. It's too easy. I know. I know. The Titans look good, though. Titans Chiefs this weekend. Well, I know. What if the Titans beat the Chiefs this weekend? <laughs> I can only call one Titans upset, you know, each season. And I already did that with them beating Buffalo. All right, uh, let's see. Anything else that needs to be mentioned here? Braves-Dodgers game five tonight. Bucks in the heat, Clippers in the Warriors. We did reach out to the 76ers earlier this morning. We wanted to find out when do they make a call on Ben Simmons' status for Friday's game because they played in New Orleans last night, day off today, probably a shoot-around tomorrow morning, practice tomorrow morning, and then a game tomorrow night at home against the Nets. Anybody think Ben Simmons is in uniform tomorrow night for the Paulie. Paulie's going Ben Simmons in uniform. Is he, does he play tomorrow? Paulie's got a yes for that. Is he in the starting lineup tomorrow night? Paulie, not so sure about that. Let's not kill ourselves. And is that one of those where the, you know, the home PA announcer, if Ben Simmons is playing, it's like, and a guard, number 25, Ben Simmons. <laughs> That's why you don't start him. You don't have to deal with the, uh, the issue of like announcing his name at the very beginning. Because you do it right at the very end. You know, and then like you introduce Joel Embiid and then, you know, the crowd's going crazy. And then you go, and a guard out of shoot, number 25, Ben Simmons. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Let's go around the room what we learned on this program. I'm going to start with Todd Fritz, all decked out in Broncos gear today. Todd. Go Broncos. Chris Mad Dog Russo reminds us Joe Jackson's been dead like forever. So how about letting 80-year-old Pete Rose into Cooperstown while he's still alive? All right. Crying out loud. Thank you, Todd. Uh, McLovin. I'll give you poll results. Most annoying thing in baseball right now. Teams only trying to hit home runs. Second was batting glove adjustments. Oh, my God. Batting glove adjustments. Seton O'Connor. Mike Florio has no trophies. He does. No. Uh, Paulie? Mad Dog Russo. Danny, keep me posted. Hey, Danny! Uh, Fritzy, what did I learn? Uh, we all learned that you're concerned about Zion Williamson getting foot surgery yeah. in the offseason at that size with his playing style. Could be big concerns there. What we learned brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Hey, rocket scientists, look no further than the next big thinker, first-in-class technology, a leader in innovation, and intelligence not yet seen from an SUV or Todd Fritz. The 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLE. Learn more at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Thanks for the phone calls, emails, tweets, all-around support. 
It's a meet Friday tomorrow. Brady Quinn will join us and the great Rebecca Lowe.